Acts chapter 2, you can remain seated. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 38. We're going to key in on the end of that passage of Scripture, and then we're going to look at 39. The end of that passage of Scripture starts with this. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me do a very quick recap of what we've went over in this passage. We left off last Sunday with the proof of baptism. Being consistent in the scriptures after faith and repentance in Christ. After a person has been saved, then they were baptized. That has been going on now for 2,000 years. It is not a new concept. We looked at that in the Gospels for the first time when we looked at 38. We looked at that also in the book of Acts. I gave you one example in the book of Acts. And then I gave you two examples in the church letters. In the church letters. So now we're going to get started. In verse 38, Peter gives us the remedy, doesn't he? He gives us the way for salvation. And that is to repent. And this only comes by faith in Christ Jesus. It is turning away from, by faith, towards Christ Jesus. We know this. We're told that baptism is critical. It's critically important for obedience to the Lord to profess to the world God's work in your life and our union with Christ. That's what baptism shows. This is an ordinance of the church that he left with us. It does not save us, but it does, however, show our union with Christ and what he has done for us. We are told that forgiveness of sins in this passage of Scripture, that forgiveness of sins is obtainable. How cool is that? I'll tell you how cool it is. The worst of the worst, the, the, the worst thing that you've ever done, ever thought, ever said... Every action, every deed that has missed the mark of righteousness, anything in your life from the time that you can remember till now and beyond, we can obtain complete forgiveness of those sins. That is beautiful. We're told that forgiveness of sins is obtainable. We're also told that we would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. I want to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because this is where we see our society, especially nowadays, it is so distorted and so misconstrued that we've missed what the Scriptures are saying. When we think about the Holy Spirit, some believe this to be a second blessing. How many people, you, how many people have heard that? 
in their life. That it's a second blessing, something that comes later, something that you wait on, something that is, is just, you, you have to sit there and you have to wait for it. You have to do this, this, or this, and to receive it. But we don't see that line up with Scripture at all. We just don't. It's not something that comes later. We know according to Scripture, at the moment... A person believes in the Lord by faith, turning from their ways that the Holy Spirit comes to abide inside of us. Yes or no? This is what happens. The Holy Spirit comes to abide inside of us. And this is no small thing that some have made it out to be. This is not a small thing. The third person of the Trinity living inside sinful man? Are you kidding me? This is not small. As some people have made it out to be. In so many religious circles, people are more interested in receiving the gifts. They want to heal people. They want to speak in tongues. They want to prophesy. They want, to want, they want all words of knowledge, all words of wisdom, all of these different things. They want this stuff. But they don't want the one that gives it to them. They want the gifts instead of the giver, right? It's almost as if the Holy Spirit... The third person of the Trinity is not enough. They want something more. They want something more. All the while neglecting their own sanctification. I want you to understand today that the Holy Spirit is enough. The Holy Spirit in our life is enough. Our society has downgraded that to some crazy, crazy stuff. But I want to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is enough. The Holy Spirit has come to renew our hearts. Am I lying or am I telling the truth? People need a heart transplant. It's what they need. Our country needs a heart transplant. By the way, keep that in mind when you go out to vote on Tuesday. We've got a lot of different things coming up. Two different platforms. Keep that in mind. I was going to preach on that today. Um, I'll preach on that another day. But the Holy Spirit has come to renew our hearts, to give us His fruit, to give us His fruit, to to teach us how to walk in that fruit. You say, well, that's not all that big of a deal. That's not all that big of a deal. I want to speak in tongues. That's not that big of a deal. I want to be able to heal people. All all the while neglecting our own sanctification. What are the fruit of the Spirit? What is it? 
What is it, guys? Love. Really? That's right. Dickie said it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you guys have mastered these? <laughs> Let's go ahead and stomp some toes real quick. How many of you guys have mastered these? This fruit of the Spirit. How many of you have mastered it? None of us. None of us. See, there is plenty of work to do in our own lives. Plenty of work. It's called sanctification. And this is why the Spirit came for us to be more like Christ. Not so we can ramble off at the mouth and not so we can go out doing different things. But for us to be sanctified, for us to be more like Christ. And the Holy Spirit, we praise you today for doing this for us. He lives inside of us. He's renewing us day by day. Teaching us, sanctifying us, always being with us. The scriptures teach us that he will never leave us, that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Some, that's like the only verse that they know and that they can remember. Because it's a promise that's awesome, right? What's the spirit that is with us? It is the gift of the spirit that doesn't leave us, that doesn't forsake us. He's not like Noah's dove who goes away and then comes back with a second blessing later. No, he stays with us all the time. God with us. We have to understand what we have here in this text, in the gift of the Holy Spirit. He stays with us. He stays in us. He is working through us. Why? So that we may be more like Jesus. Let me say that one more time. He stays with us. He stays in us, working through us, so that we may be more like Jesus. People want gifts. And they want all of this stuff. The greatest gift of all has been given to us. Do we need anything else? We don't. If God before us, who can be against us? If God dwells in us, what he is requiring us to do then is to let him come out. We must decrease, right? So that he can increase. We must yield to him so that he can show off in our life. We must submit to him. So that he has full reign to do what he needs to do. The Holy Spirit is the gift. And this special gift is given to us by the Lord. This third person of the Trinity has come to abide with us and set up shop with us. He did not come to just say, okay, I'm going to give you fire and then I'm going to leave. He came to stay. It's a gift. It's a special gift given to us by the Lord. It's a gift just as you... 
give a gift to someone else. The Lord has given us this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so often we overlook, we, we think little of, we stomp on to get to something else. There's no better gift than God. There's no better gift than Him being in us. Because of that, we know that we have eternal life. We don't have to conjure Him up. I have been in churches and charismatic circles, and I'm not just talking about certain groups. I'm talking about a lot of groups. From Baptists to Methodists to Pentecostals and non-denominationals to all of these different movements. I've been in services where it doesn't look any different than the voodoo practicers over in Haiti dancing around the stick. Now I'm telling you the truth because I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen the voodoo priests offer up sacrifices, dancing around a pole and they get themselves so worked up and so in in such a frenzy that their eyes are rolling all over the place and they're falling down and they're passing out. They're beating on the drums like crazy. People's dancing around, going crazy, throwing their arms around, acting like a bunch of fools. No order whatsoever. Trying to conjure something up. Doesn't look any different in a lot of the, a lot of the circles that you see out even in our nation and across the globe today. People on stage spinning in circles until they reach some form of dizziness is all it is. Some form of ecstasy is what they feel. Trying to conjure up the Spirit, thinking that they are seeing things, thinking that God is moving in their life. When all they're doing really is spinning in circles. Throwing their hands around, waving them everywhere like they just don't care. That's not worship. That's not the Spirit in you. When I think about that, I think about the voodoo priests in Haiti. I think about the wild Gadarean that was running among the tombs that nobody could contain. That's what I think about. (laughs) I hear a rooster. (laughs) I still hear a rooster. (laughs) Somebody's phone. Technology. Wow. So we don't have to conjure him up. We don't have to dance ourselves into some mad frenzy to experience his love. We simply yield to him. That's what you do. You want to see the Spirit show off in your life? You want to see Him come out in your life? Yield to Him in your life. That's what you have to do. We've been called to salvation so that we would show forth good works. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That comes by yielding to the Spirit and letting the Spirit shine. Not by dancing in a circle and throwing your hair everywhere. Pretending that you're seeing gold dust floating around in the ceiling, smelling lavender. This is what's going on in churches, by the way, guys. All over the globe. And it's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. He's the best gift for us. Verse 39, it says, For the promise is for you. And for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now, 38 and 39 are very powerful passages of Scripture. Listen to that in 38. We have the gift of all gifts. I want you to listen to it. Look at 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we have the gift of all gifts. And then in 39 it tells us that this gift is a promise. We have a gift and a promise within two verses concerning our salvation. And I want us to understand that this promise... It's not a promise that he can break. You know, I've made a lot of promises and a lot of promises I've broken. How about you guys? You make promises and I'm going to tell you something. You're bound to break them at some point. You just can't keep them. Outside of circumstances, you're not in control. You just ain't. And you break promises. But this gift, this promise that's given to us cannot be broken. This promise, it is an eternal promise. Promised by an eternal God, by the eternal God. Written in His eternal Word. That cannot, shall not, will not be ever broken. This promise can't be broken. God cannot lie. His word is true and faithful. It is a promise. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. So he starts here with Jerusalem, doesn't he? He's speaking to the Jews. Remember the devout men of all over the world that are there? He's speaking to the Jews first. And he says this is not just for the men, but this is a family thing. Daddies, you got to get it right. He says, for the promise is for you. He's talking to those men, but also to everybody there. And he says, and for your children. For you and your children. This is for the household. Salvation is for the household. Do we understand that? For the family unit. There's so many families that just have one person in their home that might be saved or, or two. or This is for the family. This promise, this gift of the Holy Spirit is for the family. And daddies, we got to get it right. There goes that rooster again. 
That's probably, I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm sorry. But then he says what? For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Who is that? Who are the far off? The Gentiles. This gift of the Holy Spirit promised by the Lord who cannot lie has been given to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles, which is us. Peter preached. Joel preached. And we were there in that message to those that were far off. I praise God that salvation went to those that are far off. Because I was Rahab behind that big giant wall away from the children of Israel, away from all the covenants and all the promises. Behind a wall that nobody could penetrate. Stuck there. But God, being rich in mercy, He called the far off. The Gentiles are those far off. And then in verse 39, so we know that it goes to the Jew first. It says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and that's, that's, the, that's the half half Jew, Gentile, and then to the uttermost parts of the world, that is the Gentiles. That's Philip the Ethiopian eunuch that or uh, the Ethiopian eunuch that Philip ministered to. And then in 39 it says this, and I'm done, listen to it. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So this promise and this gift goes to everyone that the Lord our God calls unto himself. Man, why does Peter contradict himself? Why is he contradicting himself? First he tells us it's for those that believe, for those that repent. For the, and it just over and over he tells us this. And then he says, it's for those that the Lord calls unto himself. So which one is it, Peter? What, which, one you, which, which one is it? Well, it's no contradiction at all. And this is where people get bent out of shape, and they shouldn't. Peter's not contradicting himself. He's telling the whole truth. The whole truth. Both of these are true. Just as a coin has two sides. It's no different. There's a heads and there's a tails. But it's still one coin. Right or wrong? Okay. So our salvation does as well. Our salvation does as well. And let me explain to you before you get off out in left field and say, what in the world is he talking about? There are so many people that key in on just man's responsibility, they leave out God's responsibility and God's work. And there are so many people that then go to the far extreme and talk about God's work, but they also leave out man's responsibility. And we have to understand that in Simon Peter's sermon, he is teaching us both. Teaching us both. He tells us those that believe, those that repent, those that turn to Christ by faith, 
are those whom the Lord our God has called unto himself. Plain and simple. And this is the part people don't like. Because they like to be able to say that I did this and I did that. They like to be able to say that I repented. I believed. And whereas those things may be true, we often leave off the part that says, yes, but it's because he first loved us. It's because he first called us. It's because he first chose us. So Peter's statement is not a contradiction to itself at all. It's a whole truth. It's two sides to the same coin. John 6 and 37, listen to it. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And then he says this in John 6, 44. This is Jesus speaking. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Acts 2 and 39, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So we see all the way through the Gospels, all the way through the book of Acts, we are told to repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe, receive him by faith. But we're also told through the Gospels, through the book of Acts, and through the letters to the churches that he first loved us. That he called us, that he chose us, that he loves us, that we are a gift to the Son by him or from him. And so you can't neglect either side. The reason why we are able to believe, to trust, to receive by faith. The reason why this is able, the reason why we are able to do this, and the reason why we can come to the Father is because He has first called out to us. Plain and simple. And I love the illustration of Zacchaeus. He went up into the tree. He did to see the Lord. He just wanted to see Him. But it was Jesus who saw him first. It was Jesus who spoke to him first. It was Jesus who called him down. It was Jesus who stayed with him. And it was Jesus who told him, today salvation has come to your house. And then he received him by faith. And so we see man's work, but we also see God's work in this thing called salvation. And man's work is really no work at all. It's a a reception of, of faith that has been given to us by the Spirit. We believe by that faith. Put our trust in the Lord God Almighty and His finished work at Calvary. We're washed clean and we're renewed by the Spirit that comes in to dwell within us. We're not looking for some second blessing. If you've believed and trusted in the Lord by faith, you have received the blessing of the Holy Spirit. He has come to live with you, and of that He will never leave you, and He will never forsake you. 
Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. We don't conjure him up. He is not our errand boy. He simply requires us to yield to his work in our life. So, we that, so that we may show forth a bright light to the world that's around us through good deeds. We're to repent and believe by faith. And the reason why, the reason why he calls us to that. He calls us to that. So we have to be able to see both in our text. And we do see both in our text. We see it in verse 21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We see it in 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in 39 he says, Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. We see both. We see both in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. We see both all the way through the Scriptures. So the Scriptures are not inconsistent. The Scriptures are not contradicting themselves. The Scriptures are being preached here by Simon Peter fully and wholly without leaving anything out. He is preaching the whole counsel of God. And for that I am grateful. Let's pray.